This is the Ordinary Christian Podcast, a podcast dedicated to real people like you seeking to live out your Christian faith in the ordinary aspects of everyday life. My name is Craig Thompson, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm a husband, father, pastor, and writer. I hope that this podcast will help you to use the margins of your everyday life to live more intentionally for Jesus. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. Today I have with me um, what has become a friend, but before a friend, one of my uh, professors and my PhD supervisor, Dr. Tim Booker. Uh, Dr. Booker is married to Sharon. He has uh, five kids, but uh, more importantly, he said he has 10 grandchildren. Uh, Dr. Booker is, um, has a huge title. He is the Billy Graham, Graham Professor of Evangelism at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary there. He's also the Associate Dean of the Billy Graham School of Missions, Evangelism, and Ministry. Did I say that right? I did. Um, I did. Uh, at, there at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. So he has all of these accomplishments um, in addition to being, um, a, uh, I think, a Kansas Jayhawk fan. Is that right? Uh, that's exactly wrong, Craig. You know that. <laughs> yeah, Kansas State Wildcat. This podcast yeah. may end before it starts. <laughs> Um, but uh, Dr. Booker, in, in in addition to all of those other things, and um, he's a he's a pastor there in Louisville. He's a husband, a father, a grandfather, and in many ways, been a mentor to me. But he is also an evangelist. And today, we have Dr. Booker on the podcast to talk about personal evangelism. So, uh, Dr. Booker, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast today. And um, I'm I'm just excited to spend some time with you. Uh, it's my joy to be here, Craig. Good deal. Did you guys get snow this week? We did not, but we're expecting ice storms, which is far worse. So yeah, you know, I don't know if you recall, but I did a PhD seminar with you in the middle of an ice storm once. We yeah. drove into into Louisville in the middle of an ice storm and slid into every class. It was uh, that was the coldest week of my life. Yes. Well, it's going to be cold like that again here this week. Yeah, it's been tropical in South Carolina, so um, I think we're going to hit 65 tomorrow. So enjoy your ice. We will, uh, Dr. Booker. I um, I told you off air. So the purpose of this podcast is to really reach out to just ordinary Christian folks sitting in the pews of my church and your church, and help them to grow in the ordinary aspects of their daily life. Um, we we acknowledge we understand that only a small percentage of their time is going to be spent in what we would consider to be explicitly Christian things. So they may work 40 hours a week, but they're only going to be in the church three or four hours a week. Um, so there's all these opportunities to honor the Lord outside of their regular church life. That, that, that has to do with the way we work and everything else. But one of the most important things that we can do to honor the Lord is to engage in personal evangelism. I know that's near and dear to your heart. You teach about it. Um, you practice it. And, and for what it's worth, y'all don't know Dr. Booker, and I won't do all the talking for long, but it's it's uh, it's encouraging for me to be able to, to kind of introduce y'all to somebody that doesn't just teach this. He practices what he preaches, but you've written books about it and all those other things. Um, maybe if you would just share a little bit about your heart for personal evangelism and, and why you have such a strong desire to share the gospel. Well, just in the providence of God, uh, I grew up in a church. It, it happened to be a liberal church where the Bible wasn't preached. And so as far as I know, I didn't ever hear the gospel until I was a senior in high school. I had blown out my knee playing football at a full-length cast, plaster cast over my leg, happened to be back in church for Sunday school. And we had a guest that Sunday, a campus worker for one of the evangelical uh campus ministries. I don't remember what college this guy was from. I don't remember what group, but he came to our pastor, said, I work with college students. You have a high school Sunday school class. Could I come and share with them? So our pastor says, sure. Now, somebody comes like that to me. He didn't get near my high school kids, but he came up and this guy really did a good job. He talked about how to prepare academically. He said, take the hardest classes you can in high school. And to show you the spiritual frame of mind I was in, I leaned over to my best friend, Philip, and I said, that settles it. I'm taking welding two in the spring. Uh, that was the advanced class. I, I went to a farming uh, community school. Then he talked about how to prepare financially. And in an era long before Al Gore had invented the internet, 
he put an address up on the board where you could write to get scholarship help. I got a $3,000 scholarship based off that information. It was very helpful. But then he talked about how to prepare spiritually. And he drew the bridge illustration up on the chalkboard. And I understood the basics of the gospel. I'd, I'd been in church, but I didn't understand the necessity of a personal response. And so that day, he called on those who wanted to repent of their sins and put their faith in Christ. He said, just get out of your chair and kneel on the floor. Well, I had this full-length plaster cast over my leg. And I kind of looked at him with a look of panic, and he said, or you can kneel in your heart. So that's what I did. So my experience there, Craig, I think has really propelled me. I think there are other people like I was who understand a lot of the different aspects of the gospel, but have never been able to put all the pieces together and see what is our necessary response to what Christ has done for us. I've got a lot more questions, but I'm going to jump to what would generally be the end of this, but I just think it was a great segue there. Is it necessary for us to call for a response when we share the gospel? It's necessary for us to explain the necessary response. I, I make a distinction between explaining the response and calling for a response. And, and here's why. If it's clear to me that someone doesn't yet really understand the gospel, they're still sorting through all of this, I will explain the necessary response, but I'm not going to press them for a response because they're not ready. I, I can tell that. But where a lot of people, I think, miss this is they think, well, I shared the gospel, but I didn't have enough time to explain the necessary response. Well, then you didn't share the gospel. You, you look at the apostolic preaching in the book of Acts, what theologians call the kerygma, the necessary response was never separated from the message. It was always made very clear. And so, like, wh how, how would that work? So, <clears throat> There, there's going to be a different way that we're going to go about doing this. So if I'm trying to share the gospel with the, the waitress at my table versus I'm trying to share the gospel with the guy I'm going to see, you know, th at least theoretically, every day at work for the next two years of my life, how might I approach that differently? Well, with the waitress, uh, I, I find, in fact, did this just a couple days ago, you really only have an opportunity to perhaps share a word of truth. You know, I always ask my waitress how, how I could pray for her. I was meeting with a young man for discipleship early Saturday morning for breakfast at Bob Evans. Our waitress came over, asked her how we could pray for her, and she shared some of her burdens, and we were able to pray for her. So leaving a large tip, leaving a gospel booklet with her, she had she was running ragged, uh, restaurant full of customers. You can't, you can't take all the waitress's time. The guy you're working with and see every day, here's my philosophy, Craig, and then let, let me share two different philosophies. I'll give the, the my philosophy second. One, one philosophy says, well, you don't want to drive people off, so you go at it really slow. And, and maybe after several months, you start kind of bringing spiritual things into the conversation. Maybe, maybe after a year, you talk about Jesus and all this, and and what I've discovered with when people that follow that approach, they spend so long building a bridge of friendship that when the bridge is built, they're afraid to carry the gospel over it, lest it somehow damage the relationship. So here's my philosophy, what, what I think is, is best. I just identify right up front as a Christian. That, that's who I am. That's what defines my life. If, if we're going to be hanging out together, you need to know that about me. So I just share that right up front. Now, that does drive some people away. They want nothing to do with this fanatic, uh, fanatical Christian. But for many other people, it's intrigued. So I like to start off by communicating I'm a Christian. Then we work out what does that look like and what does that mean in subsequent conversations? Yeah, and I mean, I, I think that <clears throat> there's, a, there's a, a tension, I guess, a healthy tension probably, so we, we want to encourage relational evangelism. In other words, we want to encourage people to share the gospel with people they know, but we don't want we don't want you to spend so long building the relationship that somehow or other the relationship becomes primary and the gospel becomes absolutely neglected, right? That, that's right. And that's so easy to do. Yeah. Um, but I, one of the things that I, I try to talk about my, my Christian faith and the way I talk about my marriage, and 
That is that I, I want to make sure really and truly, especially if I'm speaking with somebody of the opposite sex, I want to make sure within five or 10 minutes of a conversation, they know that I'm married. It, you know, um, as a matter of fact, I said this in a sermon a few weeks ago, I, I, I don't work out in a public gym anymore, but um, but I used to work out in a public gym all the time, but I always took my wedding band off. And, and, and so as a result, I was always super careful and conscious of the fact that if I was speaking with a woman, uh, one of the first things that I wanted to come up in conversation was just that I'm married. I wanted heard on that. I want, as a matter of fact, it usually came out when I was speaking with a man because I want them to know that I'm, that this is who I am. Like marriage is not just something that happened to me. It's a huge part of who I am. And I think it's so important that we sort of self-identify as followers of Jesus. What a shame would it be for somebody to have known me for a year and not know that I love Jesus? Right. No, uh, that's exactly right. What, um, I, I think you and I would agree. Um, I'm pretty sure that we would that that we would never want to be manipulative in our communication of the gospel. Um, but are there um, tools that you have used through the years that have helped you to bridge from, you know, from ordering eggs at Bob Evans? By the way, for those of you who don't know, if you're really from the South, you don't know what a Bob Evans is. It's like a it's like a trashy version of Cracker Barrel, just so we're all clear, right? Like you've got Cracker Barrel and then you got Shoney's and then down below that is Bob Evans, I believe. I, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> anyway, what, what, are, what are some of those, and I use that word on purpose, some of those bridges, because it's one of your, your words. Yeah, the a process that I learned really over 40 years ago as a brand new believer that has served me well for four decades it's a three-step process, explore, stimulate, and share. The explore part of that is just, I want to get to know who this person is. In personal evangelism, I'm sharing with a living, breathing human being that has a context, that has a background, that has concerns and fears. So the way that I explore is in, in two ways. First, by just observing, what can I see with my eyes about this person? The second is by asking questions. And I found that if you will learn to ask good questions in evangelism, uh, we think evangelism is a lot of, about talking, and it is. We need to communicate the gospel. But I found asking good questions and letting people talk, they will oftentimes say something, which brings me to the next point. Their first is explore. Second is stimulate. That's when I bring spiritual things into the conversation. And there's a variety of different ways to do that. If somebody mentions uh, church, uh, I might ask them a question like this. Well, at, at your church, what do they teach about how someone can have their sins forgiven? You're, you're not asking this person directly, what do they believe? You're asking them what their church teaches, but their answer will tell you what they believe. I've asked that of many people, and they say, well, I really have no idea which tells me here's someone that's a churchgoer, but doesn't really know the gospel, doesn't really know the Lord. One of my favorites is simply to ask what I call the personal opinion bridge. We're just kind of talking back and forth. So I have a question for you. In your personal opinion, what, what makes a real Christian? Uh, their personal opinion is just that. It's their opinion. And then they'll ask me, well, in your personal opinion, what makes a real Christian? I, I like to say, well, I base my opinions on religious matters off the Bible. Let me share with you how the Bible would answer that question. But probably the bridge that has, or not probably, undoubtedly, the bridge that has led to more gospel conversations for me than any other, it's so simple, even a child can use it, is simply to say, is there something I can pray about for you? Jesus gave us a principle. He said, the eyes are a lamp to the soul. And if you, when you are talking to someone, look deep into their eyes, you may see pain, heartache, sadness, sorrow. And many times I've had conversations where I've just said, you know, I don't mean to intrude, but you look like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. Is there anything I could pray about for you? That question has opened more gospel conversations for me over the years than any other. You know, I am. Um... I don't know if I learned this from you. I really don't. I, that's something I do the same thing, and I, I can't recall. I mean, my first exposure to you was 15 or more years ago now, more than well, 15. Well, if it's years. anything good, I'm sure you learned it from me. Well, if I was just going to say, you learn it from someone else. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> but it was, I, I do the same thing. I, I, I love to ask 
the the waitresses or the servers in restaurants how I can pray for them. Now, like point of honesty, since COVID began, I think I've been I, I think I've eaten inside a restaurant three or four times in the last twelve months. So that doesn't happen very often. But uh, one of my kids was on COVID quarantine because he might have been exposed to somebody who might have been exposed, and it was my oldest, and so it was his last day, and blah blah blah. He said, "Will you take me out to lunch?" I said, "So let's go to lunch." And um, so we went to a restaurant here in town, and and that's I always ask my server, "Can I pray with you?" And uh, I've never had not one single server ever tell me no, never. Uh, I have. Oh, okay. don't back. tell that part then, man. Well, no, that's that's just part of the reality. Some people uh, don't, don't want to have those conversations, but the vast majority of people, even men servers, even male servers, their eyes fill with tears. Well, you know what was the, the the most amazing one was a woman that didn't tell me no, but her facial facial expression was of absolute shock and dismay. And I was I was eating with a friend. This has been many years ago, and I said, "Wow." I said, there's conviction, you know, let's pray specifically for this woman. I want to share the gospel and come full circle. She comes back to our table and um, I, I just began to speak with her. And she said, thank you so much for offering to pray with me. I said, was there anything I can pray with you about? You, you really looked, I was afraid I'd upset you. She said, I, I've been waiting tables for 10 years or whatever. She said, there's never, ever been a time when someone has ever offered to pray with me. I said, well, I'm terribly sorry. Could I pray with you? And then she said, I am a follower of Jesus. I, I'm, I'm a Christian. My husband and I are engaged in mission work. She said, but there are so many servers in this restaurant who need the Lord. Will you just pray for my witness to them? And yeah. what was was crazy was in that moment, I thought I'd offended her. Or there, it was just complete, like she was just thrilled to death. But back back to this, this past week, I was, I was in a restaurant. And I offered to pray with my server. And it was just brief. And it's like you said, she was crazy busy. Um, my, my son and I were, were trying to get out of the restaurant without catching COVID. And um, <clears throat> because apparently it lives in restaurants is what I was told. And this lady followed us to the back door of the restaurant. If you could imagine, this is like, like some of those restaurants in Louisville, you kind of walk through a, a, a real narrow space to get out the back door. And uh, she said, I'm, I'm, please excuse me. She said, you don't know what that meant to me. And just with tears in her eyes, is you know, thank you so much. She pursued me, and, and it, I didn't get to to go through a, a full gospel presentation with her. But I do hope that I will be able to get back to that place and engage that conversation with her at some point. But those those opportunities, man, they're just they're just everywhere you look if you'll just open your eyes. They are. Um, you um, so uh, if, if you guys heard me making some racket just a minute ago, I was pulling a couple of things out. Uh, so you, you've actually written a, a little booklet. If anybody's listening to this that wants a copy of it, I, I have a handful of them here available at, at our church at Malvern Hill, <laughs> but a little booklet called Overcoming Walls to Witnessing that addresses a lot of these things. Um, but you said that you would leave a gospel booklet or, or a tract or something. Um, I think that you generally use this little one called Experiencing God's Grace. Yes, it, it actually has been reprinted with a new cover on it. But yeah. same, same basic content. Um, so, um, but the, the, now for those, again, I have lots of these. If you're open to these, now these, this, if you don't get to share the gospel with somebody, this is one of those that will share the whole gospel in, in a sitting. But is there a right or a wrong way to leave a tract? Well, specifically, if you're talking about a restaurant, uh, I would like to find the person who publish this track that says, I was going to leave you a tip, but I'm leaving you something even more valuable, the gospel. I'd like to find that person and strangle them. There, there have been servers turned off to the gospel because of that, because yes, the gospel is more valuable than silver and gold, but it won't pay bills. So I always tip generously, even if like on Saturday, the service was not great because she was running like a chicken with her head cut off. There, the, the restaurant didn't have enough servers. I still tip generously and then leave a gospel booklet. And, you know, that the gospel gets in their hands. Two of my closest friends in ministry were converted by being given a gospel track, one of them reading it immediately that later that day, the other one reading it four months later. Wow. 
and and the Lord touched him through that gospel booklet. Yeah, um, and so if you're listening to this and and you don't know how to use a track, for the record, it it can be as simple as leaving it at the gas pump, right? I mean, it, it, use attract ministry is, is similar to Gideon's ministry. It's 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 spread it as broad and wide as you can, and we we recognize that it's not the most efficient manner of proclaiming the gospel, but it is a way. But it's also just a way that that so you can do it that way. It also gives you an opportunity if you have a gospel presentation to leave something with someone so that they can go back to that conversation. Do you ever write your, your phone number or anything on the back of these so somebody can reach out to you? In fact, we, we use these at our church and we just print off some labels and, and put those on the back. But the, the other way this can be used, Craig, and, and to encourage people that are listening to this podcast, when I have a chance to talk to somebody about the Lord, I will give them this book, but I'll say this summarizes what it is that we've talked about. This is your copy. Take it home. Read through it carefully. If there's something you don't understand or questions you have, dog ear that page, put a little yellow sticky note in there, and let's meet again and talk about it. And one of the greatest joys of my ministry is that I'll connect with somebody for lunch, and he pulls this booklet out of his pocket, and there are six little yellow sticky notes in it. These are things he doesn't understand or that he has questions about, but that means he's engaging the gospel. Now, we got to cut this off in just a second, but you are a professor of evangelism. You've got a PhD in, in well, it's not actually in evangelism, but you are a professor of evangelism. You, you basically have a PhD in evangelism, um, but nothing that you've <laughs> described to us requires advanced study to be able to communicate the gospel. Nope. Gospel's simple enough, even a child can understand it. Uh, in fact, if, if you're a believer, that means you understood enough of the gospel to trust Christ. And guess what? That means you can communicate that with someone else. Yeah. That's simple. And listen, one of the things I just want to piggyback off, Dr. Booker, um, there, there are lots of different ways to utilize a gospel tract. The, the one that he's referenced is called Experiencing God's Grace. We've got access, we copies of those here at Malvern Hill. We also sometimes use the story booklet, which is another way to do it. A lot of our folks love to use Gospels of John and, and just to give those little Gospels of John away that have got the present uh, or the, the the presentation of the gospel in the very beginning. And then of course you said that you're, you were converted essentially with the bridge diagram. And that's, that's right. what those old Billy Graham, they're not even old. You can still buy them. There's lots of them around but the Billy Graham tracks from the, from the Billy Graham association. God. Step, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, those um, really give that exact same bridge diagram, right? It's it, probably not even been updated since you were 18, 70 years or so ago. So uh, yeah, not uh, quite that long. Either. Yeah, I know. I know, but um, but I, Dr. Booker, I, I appreciate you being with me. Uh, I know that um, uh, you've got some things to do today, but beyond that, I don't want to drag this out because I want to make sure people understand that sharing the gospel doesn't take two hours. It's great if you have two hours, and, and, and we want to be able to do that, but you can do that very simply and very succinctly. So I, I appreciate you being willing to share that. Um, just, I'm, I would like to give you the last word. Any any piece of advice that you would share for those aspiring evangelists who are listening to this today? Yeah, I, I think the most definitive verse in the New Testament related to evangelism is Matthew 12, verse 34. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus said, our mouth speaks out of that which fills our heart. And so Jesus would say, if, if I'm struggling with telling others about Jesus, it's really not a speech problem. It's a heart problem. Going back to, to grandparents, I don't know if you've seen this three DVD set that this late night infomercial sells. It's a DVD set for grandparents. First DVD is how to overcome the fear of talking about your grandchildren. Second DVD, how to bring up the topic of grandchildren in everyday conversation. Three DVDs for $99. You've never seen that infomercial and you never will. Why? Because grandparents don't need training to talk about their grandchildren. Why? Because what Jesus said in, in Matthew 12, 34 is true. Our mouth speaks out of that which fills our heart. So for many of us, if we're struggling in talking to others about Jesus, we don't necessarily need speech training. We need heart renewal, returning to our first love, falling in love with Jesus all over again each day. And then that makes it natural to share him with others. 
Amen. Dr. Booker, thank you so much for being with us. And for those of you tuning in, I look forward to seeing you, well, being with you on the next episode of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. Thank you so much.
episode of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. I hope that you will use the information in this podcast to encourage you to love Jesus in the ordinary aspects of your daily life. Jesus surrounded himself with very ordinary people who made a difference in the world because of their Savior. You can make a difference too. If you would like to read more of my writings or find other podcasts, you can find information about me on my website at www.craigthompson.org. For information about Malvern Hill Baptist Church and sermons from our church, you can go to our website at www.malvernhill.org. Until next time, use the ordinary margins of your life to make an extraordinary difference in the world around you.